right. Good morning. Good morning. Everybody doing good? Come on. Daylight savings time. Come on now. All right. Let's just be honest here, okay? The only people that appreciated or got to experience a good daylight savings time is just anybody who doesn't have kids. Come on now, because our kids are programmed. So their head still popped off the pillow at six o'clock this morning. Hello. Just ready to go. I still woke up. My, my, how many of y'all, it doesn't matter if you, you, you can tell yourself all day long, well, I get another hour and you're still going to wake up at the same time. No, it doesn't matter, but everybody should be in a good mood. Man, the Hogs pulled out a tough victory against the Gamecocks yesterday. It was just amazing. Oh, it wasn't the Gamecocks? Co- Coastal Carolina? Oh, they, bought it, they beat him by one point. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, man. Church is fuller today than it was last week because y'all know you need Jesus when the hogs are playing like that. So, <laughs> hey, but at least we can all agree on one thing. We're glad that Ohio State lost. Come on now. Where are we? <laughs> we have some Ohio State fans here. We're praying for y'all. We know that that's really tough on your pride. But uh, Hogs fans, y'all, we can't, God is humbling Hogs fans. I think that is what is going on. We have a chance to be more like Jesus because of that team. Uh, goodness. Well, we are getting into a new series in First John. So if you've got your Bible, your Bible app, however you want to follow along today, we'll have some scripture up on the screen. Um, But we're going to look at this book, and I want to give you some context. It's important to understand context of Scripture when you look at it. you got to know the who, the what, the when, the why, all that kind of stuff. So I want to break that down for you. The author of John is John. Uh, John is the son of Zebedee. He had a brother named James. In the Bible, they referred to as the Sons of Thunder, which reminds me of like a WWE duo, but... You know, I don't know if they dress like that or not, but uh, John actually wrote five books in the Bible. The Gospel of John, 1 John, 2 John, 3 John. Now, I'm not saying that he's into himself, but he's probably not on the creative team because he just didn't come up with a lot of cool names. And then he wrote Revelation, uh, which is an incredible book. That book actually says that you are blessed if you read it. And I'd encourage you to read it at some point. But we're going to be looking at 1 John. The audience is the church in general, the body of Christ, this is what uh, Bible theologians would refer to as a circular letter, I mean it wasn't written to any one particular church, it was written to the church at whole, and so it probably circulated throughout many different churches. Uh, but Second John is actually written to a specific church, and then Third John is written to an individual. Uh, but in First John, we're talking about the church in general, and the specific thing that he's addressing is there's these people that are called the Gnostics, okay? And the Gnostics had started this really strange way of thinking, this heretical way of thinking uh, inside the church where basically they started communicating that they didn't believe that the work and body of Jesus Christ and his death was enough to cover sin, And so they started spreading this. In fact, they actually had their own missionaries that they began to send out to propagate their theology along the lines of what Jesus did was not enough. Um, But they they glorified everything within the body, uh, everything that was matter, but they also worshipped anything spiritual. So not just like 
the Spirit of God, but anything spiritual, which was obviously getting them into a lot of trouble. And so John is writing to the believers because a lot of the believers are getting confused and they're starting to get discouraged. And some of them are beginning to question their faith and question whether or not because of what Jesus did on the cross, it was enough for their salvation. And so John is saying like, look, not on my watch. I'm going to nip this thing right now. I'm going to take care of this. And so he's addressing Gnosticism in this letter and trying to bring the church back into a place where they are in revelation, where they are in confidence, where they are in security and their salvation in Jesus. And that's what he is trying to address. So in 1 John chapter 1, starting in verse 5, that's where we're going to pick it up. It says this, this is the message that we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. Everybody say God is light. God is light in him. There is no darkness at all. I think that's really important because a lot of times we can believe in the sovereignty of God. We don't have an issue believing how big God is. In fact, it's overwhelming to us to the point where sometimes it's hard for us to believe that because of how big he is, that he could still see us. Similar to what Jared was saying, like, man, if God created all this, how can he see to us? And so I don't think a lot of us have a difficult time believing in the bigness and the sovereignty of God. But sometimes it's hard to always trust in the goodness of God. And God is not just big, but he is good. And this says there is no darkness in God. God is the definition of good. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, DC talk, anybody? You know what I'm talking about? I want to live in the night. Okay, never mind. Some of y'all are looking at me like a cow staring at a new gate, so we'll move on. Uh, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, though, he is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim not to have sin, we make him out to be a liar, and his word is not in us. Okay, so he's writing this to the believers. Some of them have gotten off track. Some are confused. Some are questioning their walk. And he's saying, look, all of sin, we need Jesus. Jesus, though, and what he did is enough. It's enough. And he wants you to walk in his light and revelation so that you can have confidence so you can have security in knowing who you are in him. He says God is light. Now, if he's saying that God is light, I think it would be good for us to look at some of the characteristics of light. Like, what does light do? First of all, light illuminates. Light illuminates. It reveals. It exposes. When the light hits your retina, it helps you to see. No light, you can't see. Uh, Illuminate just simply means to shine a light on something, okay? So your headlights on your car on the road, flick a light on in a room, it lights it up. You light your pumpkin-sized candle, you're illuminating the room and being a real American. Uh, a light also exposes. Light also exposes. Now, this is a part that's tough. Because anything that's not clean is going to get exposed in the light. That's why we leave our lights dim in our house right? You can see dust easy when the light is on. You can see how dirty the windows are when the light is shining through them. You can see 
blemishes in the light. Ephesians 5, 13 through 14 says, But their evil intentions will be exposed when the light shines on them, for the light makes everything visible. So the bottom line is this. Light is going to expose and light will illuminate. The question is whether or not you're going to just choose to accept and let the light shine or you're going to try to keep it in the darkness. But at one point or another, the word says that anything that is in the dark will come to the light at some point or another. God is bringing light to our darkness. Have you ever been in the dark about something? In other words, you just didn't know something. You, you, you were unaware of something has happened. Sometimes this can be a big deal. Like, I, I don't really like being in the dark about stuff. How many of you men don't really like surprises, all right? I don't really care for surprises, or women, or whoever. If you don't like surprises, maybe we have some control issues. Okay, fine, whatever. But, but I don't really like to be surprised with stuff. I, don't, I like to be in the know about what's happening around me. And I found out something this last week that almost shattered my childhood. Like every memory, like it caused me to call into question so much about life. Because I found out that the same voice that did Yoda in Star Wars is also the same voice that did Miss Piggy in Sesame Street. (laughs) What? I have to say, I lost a little bit of respect for Yoda. And and, and that's hard for me to say and admit. But it wasn't just, he also did Cookie Monster, Burt, Grover. I mean, what a faker. It's just not even real. Like, this is a foundational building block of my childhood, Star Wars. And the main character that's teaching Luke everything. Whatever. Whatever. Amen. 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 Some of you know what I'm talking about. Some of you are like, you are a total geek. You need to move on, dude. God's word is also referred to as a light. It says in Psalm 119, 105, thy word is a light, a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Little King James for you there. God's word gives us revelation. It gives us spiritual light. The Holy Spirit can turn light on inside of you through the word of God and illuminate wisdom and revelation. I don't know about you, but I want some of that. It says that God is light. His word is light. Light also reflects. Light reflects. Light reflects off of objects. Okay, the moon doesn't have a source of light. The only light that you see is simply the moon reflecting the light of the sun. In the same way, God wants us, although we do not have the ability to create light on our own. We are sinners. We are broken vessels. And in and of ourselves, we cannot generate light. But if we walk in the light of who we are in Christ Jesus, then we can reflect his light. We can reflect his light to the people that are around us. Matthew 5.14 says this, You are a light in the world, a town built on a hill that cannot be hidden. 
Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. See, here's the deal. You you could do some good deeds in your life, but just because you're doing good deeds doesn't mean you're reflecting Jesus. Just because you're doing good things in your life doesn't mean that you're reflecting Jesus. Because really the focus is you stay focused on the light. And out of the overflow of you staying focused on the light, then you do good things in your life. And that's the only way you get credit for any of it is by simply saying, look, I don't have the ability to do anything good in and of myself. I'm completely dependent on Jesus as the light. In Philippians 2.15 it says, live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in the world full of crooked and perverse people. So we are to reflect the character of God. And here's the deal. Light shines brightest where it's darkest. And so that also means that we can't just gather around a bunch of Christians all the time. Because it also means that there's some people that are living in darkness that need desperately for the light of Jesus to reflect off of our lives into their lives. And guess what? That means we've got to go where they are. And be around where they are and not be freaked out when the light hits their mess and their blemishes and their mess ups and their sin. People need the light. God wants us to reflect it. Light also energizes. Light is a form of energy and power. I don't know about you, but I could use some more energy and power in my life. I get tired, I get busy. Light in the morning helps you wake up and be alert. It releases chemicals in your body, serotonin, so, so that you begin to wake up and have energy and, and so you're balanced. And also, but though when it gets dark, it, your body starts to re- release melatonin, which triggers you to go to sleep. And so that's why we have daylight savings time, right? Because now it's getting lighter a little earlier in the morning, right? Waking you up, waking your kids up. So good. Praise God. It's also getting dark at five o'clock when your kids are not ready to go to bed, but you are because the serotonin is flowing, baby, like wine and you're ready to go to bed and you can't. I love light. I appreciate light. If any of you have little kids, you know that you do not want to take a road trip in the middle of the day because it'll be five hours longer than it was ever intended to be. So the smart people, you drive through the night, right? You drive through the night. That way the kids are still high on Benadryl and, and don't judge, don't judge me. Don't, don't you, somebody's going to report me. We don't give our kids Benadryl to cause them to sleep. Put that on the recording but they're sleeping. So you don't have to stop as much and all that, but here's the deal, man. You got to be a road warrior. Like you got to be, you got to be a real strong driver because right before the sun comes up, that hour, right before the sun comes up, (laughs) I've got this. You're like prep, giving yourself pep talk. I just pull a muscle in my neck. Ow! Oh, I'm gonna have to turn like this the rest of the time. <laughs> Woo! 
Man, I am passionate. Okay. (laughs) You're losing it right there. But then it's like as soon as you start to see the glow in the distance of the sunrise, all of a sudden it's like, bam. Like you've got another, it's like adrenaline in your system and you're ready to go again. Some of you have been driving in the dark for a long time. God is ready to let the the sun rise on your life for you to have energy again. Man, the sun, the light, it brings life. Plants need it. Shout out photosynthesis. Come on, where are my science people at? Light is also powerful, man. It, it, incredibly fast. Scientists created its own speed, the speed of light. This always is amazing to me. I'm going to geek out for a little bit, so stick with me. Light moves at 186,282 miles per hour in a vacuum. That is fast. Okay, so I'll bring it to terms we understand. We usually go with miles per hour, okay? Miles per hour. Light drives at a speed of 670 million miles per hour. At that speed, you can drive your minivan around the earth seven and a half times in one second. Pretty cool. Especially if you have to drive a minivan. (laughs) Uh, I can't hate, we used to have a minivan. I had to drive it sometimes. It was the worst thing on the planet. (laughs) But all the doors and the buttons and the hatch and all that's cool. But it's still a minivan. When you are doing God's work, man, it energizes you. God spoke and darkness became light. In an instant, he created everything, but it was God spoke, and it was light. Did you know the nearest star, it it takes four and a half years for the light from that star to reach your eyes. But God spoke that light a long time ago. I think for some of you that where you're at right now, God has already spoken the light. But you are in the season of waiting for it to hit your eyes but you can know that he has spoken it. You can have faith that he has spoken it. It just takes a while sometimes for you to see it, but you can trust him in that. God brings light. He brings energy into our lives. It says this in John 10, 10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and life to the full. When you walk in the light of Jesus, that's the life you have. Now, there's, there's actually three different words in the Greek for life. Okay, the first one is bios. It's the period of like the, the course of your life. It's where we get the word biology from, bios. And then there's suke, where it's where we get the word psyche from. Now, that's kind of like your emotions, okay? The soul of who you are. But then there's... Zeo, or how do you say it? Zoe? Zoe. Zoe. I knew I'd get it right. Zoe. And that's the absolute fullness of life. Now, this is a life where that lives for eternity if you know who Jesus is. You only get Zoe life through Jesus. You only get it through being in his light. 
It's a divine life. It's a supernatural life. It's the life that God intends for you to live, not just in heaven, but now here, Zoe life. But it only comes in walking in his life. So how do we walk in life? This is all really cool. Cool story, cool science stuff, all that. But how do you walk in the light? How do you remain confident? Because that's what God wants. God wants his kids to be confident in who they are in him. Like walking around with some swagger because they know who their dad is. And they are walking in his light and walking in his revelation and walking in his energy and walking in his power. We got four kids and all of our kids are strong leaders (laughs) that are going to do great things in this world. And I I will say... like Bennett kids don't struggle with confidence for the most part. Like they're bold, but the most confident kid we have is our youngest, Grayson. Like to a fault, she's confident because I mean she'll come. To, she came to me yesterday. She's like, Dad, I got to tell you something real serious. I'm like, Okay, what is it? <sighs> Reeves has run into the woods by himself, and he didn't tell anyone. And I think you need to spank him, Dad. <laughs> I think he needs a spanking. So she's really confident not only in helping us correct the rest of the kids, but also in what their correction and discipline should be. Like, oh, I'll help you out. Mom, Dad, I'm sure, you know, I'm five, so I've had a lot of experience in what to do with disobedient kids. She also, when she is sure that a word is pronounced a certain way, You cannot convince her otherwise. Like we have tried. So the word suitcase. Suitcase. Go ask or go say to my daughter at some point, hey, when you go on a vacation, do you take a suitcase? And she will rebuke you. (laughs) She's like, no, I take my hoose case. It's a hoose case, okay? So confident. Here's the thing. It's so cute. We're just done correcting her. She's going to say hoose case till she's in her 30s, and she finally admits that she's saying it wrong. But just so sure. She's getting stuff on. She got on Cody's phone yesterday. And she's like, Mom, uh, I want to upload some things. I want to upload some things on the phone. Like, sweetheart, do you mean download? Do you mean download? No. I don't mean download, it's upload. (laughs) Old people, (laughs) they don't even know how to say stuff. (laughs) But you have to respect the confidence. And I think as a parent, I would rather her be confident than insecure. I'd rather deal with her being off sometimes, but be confident in who she is. And I know that your heavenly father would rather you be confident in who you are in him and needing his grace for when you make mistakes. But confident, just confident. So how do we have this? Because some of you, you're dealing with some uncertainty in your faith Some of you are confused. 
Maybe at one point or another you raised your hand in a service, but lately you have been feeling distant from God. Maybe it's because of shame that you're dealing with, because of a sin you're struggling with. But, but I believe that you can walk in illumination and revelation of who God is, what his word says about you. I believe that you can reflect his purity and his character in your life. I believe that God wants to bring you an energy and a life that's purpose. So how do we have it? I think, first of all, how do we walk in line? We have to do it with fellowship. Fellowship. 1 John 1, 7. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, then we have fellowship. We will have fellowship. If we're walking in light, we're going to have fellowship with one another. John was writing this to this, these churches, to these believers, because some of them had started to separate themselves from community with one another. And he's like, you, you are going to get away from the light if you don't have fellowship. You've got to be around people that are reminding you of the light and are reflecting the light. You need fellowship. Coming into the holiday season, we're getting ready to, to have Thanksgiving. All right, how many guys are thankful for Thanksgiving? Amen. Amen, that holiday where we just stuff ourselves, not like we need an excuse for that, but we have a holiday to do more of what we usually do. So thank goodness for Thanksgiving. But it is where we're thankful. But how many of y'all growing up, there was the adult table and the kids' table? How many of y'all? Come on now. The kids' table was plastic. Everything was plastic. The chair was plastic. The forks were plastic. The plates were plastic. The cups were plastic. It was just plastic. It was all fake. It was a fake world. You couldn't get any good food over there. They kept it all at the adult table. You know, you just kind of waited over there for them to throw something your way, you know, like a starving little puppy, you know, just like, oh, 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 oh they dropped a crumb. Go get it, uh, you know. And, and so you're sitting at the kid table and you desperately think that the only way life is going to be fulfilling is that if you can move up to the adult table, the problem is somebody has to die at the adult table. <laughs> For you, so then you feel convicted because you're praying for Aunt Bessie to pass away. She's the closest. She's been dealing with a lot of health issues, but you can't be praying that some family member dies, and so you're stuck. And so sometimes they create multiple tiers of tables, like the toddler table and then like the preteen teen table. But the problem is because some of you, your family members aren't dying quick enough, like. You've graduated college. You're a young adult with a master's degree making pretty good money. Still stuck at the teenager table. But I say, hey, if you're stuck there, you should at least get an Easter basket. Look, if you have to stay, sit at the... T- <laughs> you know... Don't tell me I'm a teenager at one point and then tell me I'm an adult when it's Easter time. <laughs> but you desperately just want to be at that table. And so, so one day you finally graduate up. You don't even know what to do. There's order. They're passing stuff in the same direction and saying things you've never heard before, but it's just... It's amazing at first, and then you realize maybe it's not as good as you thought it was. Like, 
Maybe you'd rather watch your cousin Charlie stuff macaroni down his pants than to listen to Miss Carla or Aunt Carla rant and rave about politics. Like, the kids' table is actually pretty cool. The point is this. (laughs) You're like, please get to the point. (laughs) Anybody hungry? Amen. We've got to be in a place where we always make room around our table for people. We've got to be a church that we never run out of leaves to put in. Like you don't have to wait on the outside wondering how good God is, how good community is, how good fellowship with the body of Christ is. You don't have to wait on the outside. We got a, we got a chair right here for you. But you know what? Sometimes when they show up, they're not going to look like you yet because they're stepping into the light. God's going to be revealing some stuff. And so we've got to be a church that no matter what phase of life, no matter what sin or what struggle or whatever they're dealing with, that they're still welcome into fellowship with us, to come and join us. That was the theme of last year, to to make room around the table, to, to have our hearts set in a place just like, man, it doesn't matter who comes to this church. We want them to feel welcome and included in what God is trying to do. That we all need fellowship. How many of you grew up in a church, you had a fellowship hall? Come on, fellowship hall people. Come on, where are my Baptists at? Man, fellowship hall, man, it is where you had some of the best food you've ever had in your life. It's also where you had some of the worst food you have ever had in your life. But the whole point of the fellowship hall was, okay, outside of the services and us sitting in rows and all that, we want there to be another place where we can gather and have relationship. Our fellowship hall is our life groups. That's our fellowship hall, man. And you will have some of the best food you have ever had in your life. I'll leave the next part alone because I've already been to a couple groups. They don't want me. I don't want them to think I'm talking about them. It's all been good, guys. It's been amazing. But we have to have fellowship. We have to have fellowship. Life groups change people's lives. I can tell you story after story after story of people having fellowship in the body of Christ through life groups. And I will show up to the hospital doing the pastor thing and I'll get there to visit whoever I'm there to visit and their whole life group is there staring at me like, what you doing, big boy? We don't need you. We got this. I love that. You need fellowship. You need fellowship if you're going to stay in the light. You get isolated, you walk away from the light. Number two, with transparency. You stay in the light with transparency. Transparency. Verse eight, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we say, I'm good, I'm good. I'm great. I'm blessed, brother. 
Oh, I had a wonderful week. Thank you. And your life has fallen apart. You're not going to walk in light. Adam and Eve sinned. What did they do? They hid. They hid. They tried to hide from the light. They tried to get away from God, which is silly. Because God's everywhere. But they tried to hide. And then they tried to justify their sins. When you are not in relationship that you are transparent in, because you can be in relationship and not be transparent. It's fellowship with transparency. But if you're in that place, you get more secrets. You get more sin. You get more entrenched in it. You go deeper into this thing. It says in Mark 4, chapter, or chapter 4, verse 22, for everything that is hidden will eventually be brought out into the open and everything secret will be brought into the light. Everything, guys. Everything. Either now or next week or when you stand before Jesus. Like everything will come into the light. It says, and it's emphasizing this, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. We have to live transparent. When we walk in darkness, it only makes, we only make more mistakes when we walk in darkness. You step on Legos when you walk in the dark, people. Watch out. You make more mistakes. So the problem is you make the mistake and then you're in the darkness, so you just keep hiding the mistake. It's not where God would want you to live. When you walk in the dark, you're slow, you're hesitant. You just don't have any confidence. So we had Halloween this last week, right? And uh, I'm sure everybody did something around that holiday. But Cody and I were talking about it's like, costumes have gotten complicated. Like really, really complicated. I remember when, how many of y'all remember when you were growing up? You had basically like the homemade option. The only bought option, they were all the same. It was like a one-piece plastic printed-on suit that looked like the character and the face mask. That was it. You know, with the cheap elastic strand around it that you couldn't see out of or breathe out of or do anything productive out of, right? But the thing is, like, you start sweating, your breath condensates, so now your face is just soaked and all that. And then you accidentally sneeze. <laughs> but you're committed to the character, guys. I wanted to be human. I was dedicated to that. So now your face is just marinating. And sweat and condensation and snot. And, and you can't see. Basically, what I'm saying is, masks suck. (laughs) And some of you are wearing masks, and you can't see good. You can't breathe. And you're a mess underneath that thing, but you are so desperately committed to the character that you've presented, that you won't take it off so you can get cleaned up, so we can see 
who you really are, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And let the light change you and heal you and restore you. We wear masks around the body of Christ. If we went around the room right now, which we're not going to do this, but if we went around the room right now and I asked you, like, how many of you want more of God's blessing? Yes. How many of you want more revelation in his word? Yes. How many of you want to sense his tangible presence on a daily basis? Yes. How many of you want to confess your sin? No. God already knows everything about you. God already knows. Stop playing games with God and with everybody else. Because if you want to be transformed, you have to be transparent. If you're going to get the blessing, the revelation, the tangible presence, if you want to get everything that is God, it's going to start with you being real and transparent. You're going to have to take the mask off. I'm dealing with some people right now that I love dearly. They're wearing masks. And it really ticks me off. It makes me really angry at the devil. And it also makes me incredibly heartbroken for them. It's a terrible place to be. Another way to walk in line is through confession. Through confession. First John chapter nine, or chapter one, verse nine. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. James 5, 16 says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. So you can be healed. I was hanging out with a man a couple weeks ago. He's not from this church, so you don't have to try to figure out who it was, but he, was, he had been struggling with something his entire life, especially in his adult life. And it was a deep-rooted, habitual sin. Um, and he was embarrassed. And he told me, he said, James, I have never told anyone about this other than my wife knows. His wife knew because he got caught. But he'd never talked to anybody. And so he just started unloading on me. Just like. And then he came to me and he's like, hey, oh, man, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry to be putting all this on you. I'm like, you're not putting it on me. I, and I want you to know this too. I've heard everything. I've heard everything. There is nothing that any of you could ever tell me that will shock me. And even if I haven't heard it, it's not about you telling me. But when you begin to confess it, you're actually experiencing the purpose for the cross. Because you're not unloading it on a person, you're finally unloading it on the cross. You're finally letting Jesus what he was sent here to do for you. But he, 
he confessed it and it, even in that conversation, I could see it beginning to change his life just through confessing it, just through admitting it. And he's gonna be in a process. But his wife is in a place where she's getting healed. It's, it's amazing to see the light, the light. But it started with confession, but look, you're not confessing something that God doesn't already know. <laughs> so, but the word confession, it actually means to agree. It's you just admitting, you already know, but I'm going to agree. I need help. I'm broken. I'm a sinner. When we confess our sins to God, when we agree with God that we have fallen short, we agree with God, we, yeah, we're messed up. We also enter the agreement of forgiveness. Chapter two, first John, starting in verse one says, my dear children, I write you this so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one, an advocate, somebody that's standing in the gap, someone that's interceding. And he is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. And that's what is available to us. Let's close our eyes, bow our heads. If you're here today, you've never confessed Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. You've never confessed, you've never agreed, I am a sinner. I'm broken. And you're ready to enter into relationship with him. Or maybe you're in that place of confusion, doubt, or shame, or whatever it is. But you're ready to come back into the light. Return to him. Rededicate your life to him this morning. If you're one of those people, would you please put your hand up in this room? And as soon as I see you, put it down. But I just want to know who I'm praying with. Yeah, I got it. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Yeah, got it. Thanks, bro. Anybody else? I just need Jesus. I need to get my life right. Yes, sir. Thanks, man. Anybody else? Yes, sir. Thank you. Anybody else? I need to dedicate my life. I need, to, I need Jesus to save me from my sin. I need to come back to him this morning. Anybody else? Yeah, I got it, bro. Thank you. Anybody else? Anybody else? Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Thank you. Man, I love you guys. God loves you. He's got a plan for your life. Anybody else? Okay, this is an incredibly important moment for these people to just raise their hand. We, we don't want to take it lightly. We don't want to, we don't want to dumb down or devalue the fact that when Jesus died on the cross, he saw each one of these people. He saw their faces. He saw their lives. He saw their brokenness. He saw their sin. He also saw their potential. And he said, they are worth it. So if you raise your hand, let's just respond to that. But I want everybody to pray this prayer together. Say, Heavenly Father, 
Come on, with some boldness. There might be somebody around you. They are desperate for this. They've been waiting. They've been hesitating. But but today is the day, and I want them to be able to say this with some courage and some boldness. So repeat after me. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die for me, to die for my sin, to die for my brokenness. I accept that price that was paid for my sin. And I ask you, Jesus, to come and take control. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. I want to walk in the light as you are in the light. Change me. Make me new. Give me a new life. Illuminate my life. Help me to reflect your light. Help me, God. Father, I thank you for every person that just said that prayer. And for all of us, Lord, we're not interested in titles. We're not interested in just being called a Christian. We're interested in being Christ-like. So Father, help us to walk in that light. Help us to walk in that light. God, if there's anything that needs to be illuminated, illuminate it. We open it. We expose it. We open the door. We take the roof off in Jesus' name and we expose it, God. We need your light. Bring your power. Bring your energy. Change us, Father God. We thank you for that. And we thank you that because of your light in us, we can be a light to the city, the community, the workplace, the home, the neighborhood that you've called us to. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, if you're thankful for God's word, the people of God saved, let's give them some glory in this place.